Yud Tet Tishrei Chol HaMoed Sukkot Tavshin Ayin Chet Coming to you live from the offices of Ariel Tours in New York, I'm Mayor Weingarten. Welcome to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. That was Geshem Geshem, and we're playing it, of course, in honor of all the rain. Welcome, one and all, to this Chol HaMoed Sukkot edition of the Israel Show. We're coming to you live, as we do each and every Monday, immediately following JM in the AM. 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Israel Time, around the world, wherever you are, whatever time it is, that's the time we're on. And, of course, on demand, whenever you want to listen to us, you can do so 
at NahumSiegel.com or with uh, the aid of the amazing Nahum Siegel Network app, which is available free for iPhone and Android in their respective stores. So go there and download it because it's not only about listening to us. No, no. That's just a tiny drop in the bucket. Excuse the rain metaphor. It's about listening to all the great programming on the Nahum Siegel Network. So much of it and uh, so much to be grateful for. So it is raining in, uh, <laughs> in the two largest Jewish communities in the world, New York and Israel. The Yoreh in Israel as they uh, announced it on the news yesterday. The Yoreh is the first rain. We say it, um, it, it appears in the Torah, and we say that particular uh, piece when, uh, when we recite the Shema. Yoreh u'malkosh. Yoreh is the first rain. Malkosh is the last rain. And of course, in Israel, where rain is so important for agriculture, and it only rains during the during the growing season. It never rains in the summertime. It only rains from it should be from after Sukkot until uh, around Pesach time. Which is why we also say Tfilat Geshem on Sukkot and Tfilat Tal on Pesach. It's all connected to the climate in the land of Israel and the importance of rain for agriculture. And it is a bit unusual for it to be raining already now, but. It is um, the beginning of October already. So uh, as we say, this year's Sukkot is a little late. So that Geshem Geshem was uh, going out to everybody who's in the rain. We'll talk a little bit about the significance of rain and Sukkot in a minute. We're going to do, we have uh, some interesting stuff from, some news from Israel, some interesting interview that President Trump gave, very disappointing, I must say. And uh, a beautiful, beautiful explanation of the Rashbam, one of the Rishonim, a grandson of Rashi, and, and a fascinating parish on Torah he has on Tanakh. Um, and we'll share some of that relevant to Sukkot with you. We have Sukkot songs and Geshem songs. Geshem because it's raining, but also Geshem because uh, we say Tfilat HaGeshem at the end of this holiday. Um, here's some a medley of Sukkot songs that we picked up, and we're going to share it with you. Sukkati HaSukkah, Basukah Shalanu, and Patish Masmer, all songs that uh, Israeli kids know and love. And we're going to share them all with you this morning. My name is Mayor Weingarten. You are tuned to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network.
לסוכה שלנו אורה וצהלה, האורחים באים והשמחה גדולה לה לה לה, בסוכה שלנו אורה וצהלה, האורחים באים והשמחה גדולה. אמא וגם אבא ואחות באח, הדוד שלי אשר חיכיתי לו כל כך, ילדה יפה בסרט ושמלה בסוכה שלנו אורה וצהלה, האורחים באים והשמחה גדולה לה לה לה. בסוכה שלנו אורה וצהלה, האורחים באים והשמחה גדולה. ציפור קטנה יפת תוצא ויפת מקור, שני פרפרים של כנפיהם זהב טהור. קרני השמש בלי רשות ברוב חוצפה, עושות לימד ועוד של אור הרצפה. הסוכה שלנו אורה וצהלה, האורחים באים והשמחה גדולה לה לה לה. בסוכה שלנו אורה וצהלה, האורחים באים והשמחה גדולה. ירח הגלגל צופה בלהעלים, צולח קרן אור אל הסוכה שלי, וסבא וגם סבתא בחיוך רחב, עם סל של תפוחים ישר מן המושב. בסוכה שלנו אורה וצהלה, האורחים באים והשמחה גדולה לה לה לה. בסוכה שלנו אורה וצהלה, האורחים באים והשמחה גדולה. ובין עלי הסכך רומזים הכוכבים, גם הם מן האורחים שלי החשובים. מה טוב לי ונחמד לי ושמח לי, החכו לאורח בסוכה שלי. בסוכה שלנו אורה וצהלה, האורחים באים והשמחה גדולה לה לה לה. בסוכה שלנו אורה וצהלה, האורחים באים והשמחה גדולה. back memories hopefully for everybody Sukati Hasuka Basuka Shalano and Patish Masmer that's off of an album Meitam Shirei Hayeladim which appears on uh, in its entirety on uh, YouTube and we're going to post the links to the songs that we played today um, 
the links to the YouTube videos of all the songs. You can listen to them whenever you want. We'll post it on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash The Israel Show. Hope you are enjoying your Chag and Chol HaMoed, wherever you may be. Outside of the land of Israel, it is a very long three days and three days coming after the um, Rosh Hashanah three days, which was in Israel as well. Uh, as we mentioned, it's raining. It's raining um, in the, the northeast. It's raining in Israel. And uh, it reminded me of um, a Mishnah appears in Masechet Sukkah, in the Tractate of Sukkah. It's uh, the second chapter, the ninth Mishnah. It's the last Mishnah in that chapter. And it's something that people always talk about. I, I often remember that when sitting in someone's Sukkah on the first night of Sukkot or, or the second night and so forth, and it would start raining, somebody would pull out this um, this Ma'amar of Chazal, and it, and it goes like this. The Mishnah says, Yardu Gishamim, if it rains while you're sitting in the sukkah, at what point are you allowed to evacuate, you know, clear off the table, go in, and so forth. And the Mishnah says, Meshitisrach Hamikpah. Um, this is a, a, a dish of food which is not totally solid but not liquid, and uh, it's like somewhere in between. And when enough rain gets into it that it spoils it, that's uh, that's the sign that Chazal gave us that we can leave uh, the sukkah. So, so I guess one would say maybe like, well, it's not a stew. I don't know, something a little harder than a stew, I guess. Anyway, but we all know this concept that if it's raining, except for I believe that Chabad stay in the sukkah even, uh, even if it is raining. But um, outside of that, I believe that um, and everybody uh, leaves when it's raining or they make Kiddush and leave or whatever. Um, and then it says, Mashlu Mashal. The, the rabbis gave us an illustration with a parable. Lema Davardome. To what can this matter be compared? This idea that on, on Sukkot it starts raining. Because I mean, if you think about it for a second, God tells us, sit in the sukkah, and then it rains. It would seem that God is not happy. So it's domele evet shebalim zokos rabo. A slave, a servant, the literal translation is slave, shebalim zokos rabo. He comes to pour a, a, a kos, a goblet, a, a, a cup, probably water, if, if the parable works, maybe wine. So he comes before his master and he pours him a, uh, a, a cup of uh, water or wine. The master, right, the slave owner or the, the servant's boss, throws this, all the water into the face of the servant, meaning says, not interested in your water, go away, thank you very much, and insults the servant by spilling the water in the servant's face. Vishafachlo kiton al panav. Kiton is a Greek word 
which we find often in Chazal to use Greek words, because that was the one of the languages that was most prevalent at the time. A ketone in Greek means a vessel that holds liquid. So could be he took the entire jug and, and poured it on his face, or just maybe the cup. Either way, the idea basically is the the, the, the person who is being served, in this case God, by bringing him water from the servant, which is us, the people of Israel, God takes it and, and throws it back in our face and says, I'm not interested, no thank you very much. So I was thinking about it, and I looked it up, and in fact, many uh, say that this is only relevant, this mashal can only be relevant in the land of Israel where it usually doesn't rain on Sukkot. And according to the Gra and other and others, it only applies on the first night. On the first night, the beginning when we start this mitzvah, this midrash or, or parable would apply that if if it rains, it, Chazal would consider it a bad omen. In Israel, and on the first night. So, if we understand it that way, this year, we're not, there are no bad omens. Everything is cool. The reason it would only apply in Israel is because in, in outside of Israel, it rains. It rains all the time. It's a natural occurrence. In Israel, we know that it rains usually only after Sukkot, and God, as the Torah tells us in many places, God watches over the land of Israel and will either bring the proper rains so that we will have a bountiful year or not. And yes, we have tremendously bountiful years in the land of Israel, and we have uh, so much to be thankful for, and uh, this is an opportunity during the Chag HaAsif to rejoice and be thankful for everything that God has given us in the land of Israel. Okay, in the spirit of rain, Geshem Sheli, Ohad, who is performing tonight, and the Israeli rock group Ethnics. The name of it is Geshem Sheli. My name is Mayor Weingarten. You are tuned to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network.
Ethnics and Ohad. Interesting combination. Geshem Sheli. In honor of the rain. Rains, rains, rains. And Tfilat Geshem, which we'll be saying at the, towards the end of the week. On Shmini Atzeret. My name is Mayor Weingarten. You're tuned to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. Yesterday on uh, Channel 2 Israel News... They announced that they got word, someone leaked this information, that um, the government is going to green light, is going to give the approval for uh, 3,829 housing units, apartments, homes, whatever, that are going to be built throughout Yehuda and Shomron. This has not been done in a very long time. These include in Hebron, in Beit El, Givat Ze'ev, Kochav Yaakov, Ma'alei Michmash, Kfar and other, but Koa, Nofim. According to their report, two weeks ago, Prime Minister Netanyahu told 
<clears throat> the uh, leaders of the Yehudan Shomron communities that his government was slated to approve the housing. And uh, reportedly the Prime Minister said that U.S. President Donald Trump was prepared to quote-unquote tolerate limited settlement building. And uh, it's, it's supposed to be uh, approved by the planning committee on October 16th. We are broadcasting on October 9th, which is uh, just the right time for somebody who is opposed to this to leak the information to the media in order to create negative backlash, negative feedback from the anti-Yishuv community, from the leftists, and to bring pressure through the United States and through others on the government. So, as, uh, as nice as it sounds, uh, I hope they go through with it. And oftentimes in the past, they announced a lot of stuff and took forever to go through with it. So I do hope they go through with it, and it's a, it, it's a welcome thing to many people who have been waiting in these Yishuvim for the longest times to be able to expand their homes, or um, to build new homes for a growing community. President Donald Trump gave an interview this past weekend to Mike Huckabee, a great friend of Israel, I I must say. Um, Mike Huckabee piloted a new program on... uh, Trinity Broadcast Network, I think it is. Um, He is an evangelical Christian leader, and he spoke to the president uh, for about half hour on a broad range of issues, and one of them was about the Middle East. So here is clip number one, and uh, we'll discuss it as, uh, as it comes. You mentioned the Middle East. Evangelicals are very interested in uh, support for Israel. Yes. It's something near and dear to your heart. You've campaigned on it. You're the first American president to ever go as a sitting president to the Western Wall. Ambassador Friedman recently indicated that the embassy will be moved to Jerusalem. Do we have a time frame? Or do well, we- we're going to make a decision in the not-too-distant future. Right now, we are actually working on a plan that everybody says will never work because for many, many years it's never worked. They say it's the toughest deal of all is peace between Israel and the Palestinians. So we're going to work that. And if that doesn't work, which is possible that it won't, to be totally honest, I mean, most people say uh, it's an impossible deal. I don't think it is impossible. And I think it's something that can happen. And I think it's something that I'm not making any predictions, but I want to give that a shot before I even think about moving the embassy to Jerusalem. Before I even think about moving the embassy to Jerusalem. Well, what does that mean? We've been following this for months and months and months. And how many times did he promise, even after the election, that we're looking into it and we're looking into it. So now he says that we have to wait until some fictitious peace process that really doesn't exist except for maybe in his mind. And we're going to wait for this fictitious peace process to end, either successfully or unsuccessfully. If it's successful, well, that would be a miracle. And then there wouldn't be an issue. But if it's not successful, then he will start to consider it. I was very troubled by that, although 
I guess over time, one becomes less troubled by things that President Trump says. And I often realize that one has to look at what President Trump does and not what he says, because he says all kinds of stuff. Um, some good, some not so good, but what he does is important. And um, he, if in fact, for example, he green-lighted some of these... Uh, expansion of Israeli Yeshuvim on Yudan Shomron, it's a good thing. He's definitely set a different tone in Washington uh, regarding Israel and in, in the country as a whole. So um, hopefully that'll continue and uh, maybe this is one of those statements that just gets reversed at some point. Here's another uh, part of that interview which uh, troubled me a lot and um, this is really a continuation of the previous answer in which uh, the president goes on to discuss the greater Middle East. I went to Saudi Arabia as the guest with 54 Muslim countries. It was maybe the most incredible two days that I've ever witnessed, I've ever been a part of. And there was a lot of love being brought together. And so many of those leaders of various countries, kings and uh, emirs, so many of them were telling me, and unrelated, this wasn't, you know, getting together and let's say this, that peace between Israel and the Palestinians is so important that it can really lead to peace in the Middle East. So we'll see what happens. Peace between the Israelis and the Palestinians is so important, and maybe it could lead to peace in the Middle East. What is he talking about? I mean, this is going back now. We're going backwards now. We're going back to this crazy, ridiculous canard that used to be uh, repeated throughout Europe and, and in the State Department and other places in the White House, that somehow the major problem in the Middle East, which is holding back peace, is the conflict between the Israelis and the Arabs. And today we see how ridiculous that was. Look what's going on in Syria. Look what's going on with ISIS in Iraq, in Iran for sure. Uh, and throughout the Middle East, the chaos that's going on, the fighting, the infighting between Muslims. If Israel and the Arabs sign a peace agreement, that'll bring peace throughout the Middle East? Uh, I don't understand. I don't understand. I just don't understand. And I, I, I hope that it, uh, the president realizes that this is just, it's not true. It's uh, looking at things from a very simplistic and not rational way. It's, it's, it's more of a propaganda statement than it is anything else. And that's a propaganda statement for the Arab side, not for the Israeli side. I think Israel has shown everybody that the problems in the Middle East are mainly Arab problems, whether between Sunnis and Shias or between uh, rival factions in, in Syria and in other places, between the religious and the not religious uh, Muslims, etc., and that Israel would do fine to be on its own and not partake in that whole mess. So it's troubling that the president expresses himself that way, and hopefully uh, somebody will call his attention to it. I don't know. I think Mike Huckabee, uh, I know Mike Huckabee to be an amazing friend of Israel. He speaks sometimes... Um, more to the right of many Israelis who consider themselves on the right.
about God's promise of the land of Israel to the people of Israel and so forth. He's an evangelical. He's part of that community. He brings many people to Israel throughout the year. Um, so we applaud him for bringing up the subject and for pointing out that it is a concern to evangelicals. And um, we hope the president will have a, another take on that later on. Eretz Shivat Aminim. Chani Livnei on this uh, a cappella version of this beautiful song on a holiday of agriculture and of the Shivat Aminim for sure. Chag HaAsif, Chag HaSukot. My name is Mayor Weingart, and thank you so much for joining us on The Israel Show via the Nachum Siegel Network. My name is Mayor Weingarten. You are tuned to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. So, the three pilgrimage holidays, Pesach, Shavuot, 
and Sukkot have an agricultural basis, and we see it very clearly in the Torah, and also have a historic basis, which we see in certain cases in the Torah and in certain cases in Chazal. Pesach, of course, is the time that we left Egypt. That's the history of it. The agricultural of it is that it is the beginning of the wheat-cutting season. Shavuot is the end of that season. And um, according, uh, I believe it, it, it does not say anywhere in the five books of Moses that Shavuot is the time that we are given the Torah. I think it's actually a machloket in the Gemara whether um, the Torah was given on the 6th of uh, Sivan or the 7th of Sivan. Either way, um, Shavuot has the historic of giving the Torah and the agricultural. And Sukkot, what is the historic relevance? God says, because when you were wandering in the desert, I put you into Sukkot. There's a machloket in the Gemara, what that means, whether it means that God protected us with Ananea Kavod, with uh, majestic clouds miraculously protecting the Jewish people, or actual Sukkot, little tents, booths, uh, like we sit in during the Sukkot. In fact, uh, in certain parts of the desert, one can see the Bedouins in that type of uh, hut. And so, seemingly, there's two components to this holiday, just like there is on uh, on the other holidays, the agricultural component, the historic component. But it could very well be, and I believe that this is the opinion of the Rashbam, and this is from Sefer Vayikra, Perak Chav Gimel, the big Parshat HaMoadot, HaMoadim. Uh, the Rashbam, I believe, is taking these two ideas and putting them together. What is the agricultural idea of Hagasukot? Chagasukot is when we've done, we're finished with all the harvest, the wheat, the barley, and then the, the other fruits that grow on the trees, they come after Shavuot, during the summer, the, the, the um, dates and um, the pomegranates and the grapes, and all this, these are the reaping season for them is after Shavuot in the summertime, and come Sukkot, we're done. And we have to bring everything into the house so that they shouldn't get ruined by the rain, especially the wheat. So imagine, if you will, that you're in business and your busy season just ended. And you look at your bank account and you see the dollars, the amounts growing and you feel really good about yourself. Hey, I did a good job. Had a great season. Now I'm going to have a holiday and we're going to celebrate. The more money you have, the more the human tendency, this is a human trait, the more the human tendency is to say, hey, I'm doing good for myself. I'm independent. And the more independent you feel, the less dependent 
you feel on someone else or, or on God. So it's only natural that one would start cutting God out of the equation. Well, look at me. I'm so successful. I'm so this. I'm independent. I don't need to, I don't need to look anywhere else. I don't need to thank anybody. Look at me. I'm so, I'm, I'm a great businessman. And the warning against that happening, don't let that get to your head, is repeated. It's a, it's a recurring theme in the uh, Sefer Devarim, in the last book of, of the five books, which is a book that's preparing us to enter the land of Israel. This theme that, hey, you're in the desert now. You don't really have anything. You don't own property. You don't have any, any uh, agricultural produce or bounty. But when you get into the land of Israel, and things are going to be good because God is bringing you into a good land, don't get into that cycle. Don't let your ego cut God out of the equation. The Rashbam says that is the reason that we sit in Sukkot, to help us in a very concrete way understand that we used to be in a situation that we didn't have all this greatness. We didn't have all this wealth, all this flowing nonstop of food and drink. That once upon a time, we roamed around the desert and we had no land and we were totally dependent. And that could happen again. So we leave the comfort of the home. We leave the comfort of the air conditioner. We leave the comfort of the four solid walls. And we go into the sukkah, just like I was thinking about it, you know, during a blackout. I lived through two major blackouts in New York. During a blackout, you suddenly appreciate a hundred times more, a thousand times more, what you had, the electricity that you're missing. You take things, when you have something, you take it for granted. That's well known in human nature. But when you don't have it, suddenly you realize, oh my God, what a blessing I don't have. The fridge isn't working, the air conditioning isn't working, the fan isn't working, the, the computer can't really work beyond a battery full, and everything that I'm dependent on, in fact, during the winter, this, the heat, uh, I, I, I can't do anything. I need the electricity. We forget that man lived without electricity for more time than man lived with electricity. I need my computer. I need my phone. I need my this. I need my that. And we forget what it was like. And when you don't have it, that is the wake up. That's the reminder. Hey, remember, this is what it was like when you didn't have it. So thank God and appreciate now that you do have it. So... I'll try and quote the Rashbam a little bit. This is the reason for Chag Sukkot. Rashbam in Vayikra Chav Gimel Mem Gimel. Chag HaSukot HaSelach Lecha Be'ospecha Migornecha Omiikvecha When you bring in from your silo the wheat and the Yekev, which is the wine press, Be'ospecha Tvuat Haaretz, the bounty of the, of the land, your home is filled. You look at your bank account. It's it's filled. The three basic staples that appear very often in the Torah. Grains, grapes, and oil, olive oil. 
כבסוכות הושבתית בני ישראל במדבר ארבעים שנה, בלא יישוב ובלא נחלה. Remember, and that's the part that he adds, and remember that I housed you in Sukkot for 40 years where you had no land. So Sukkot, both aspects, the agricultural and the historic, both celebrate the land of Israel that we live in and our connection to the land of Israel that we live in. A slave has no land. He can't live an independent life. He doesn't have an independent bank account that can keep growing. And he doesn't have any land to work and grow all the different things. And when you sit in the sukkah, during this height of you're seeing everything that you have, when we talk, you should give thanks, l'mishinatan l'chem, Thank God for giving us the Nachala, the land of Israel, and homes, houses that are filled with all the good things. Don't say in your heart, that it's my own strength, my guile, my wisdom, my business smarts, my street smarts, whatever it is, that has given me all this great wealth. And we have that appearing in Parshat Ekev, in Sefer Dvarim, it's in Parakhet, where God warns us, don't say, We have that in Shirat Ha'azinu, where God talks about bringing us into the land of Israel, that we're going to have all the best uh, produce of the land. Honey and oil, and all all manner of dairy products, wheat, grapes. Wine. What happens? Every, we have everything. It's flowing like milk and honey, as as the Torah tells us. Right? God is just giving us a great financial situation that we should be in, Vaishman Yishurun Vayivat. Very naturally, we get fat and we kick. We kick meaning we rebel against God instead of thanking Him for everything that He's done for us, our ego takes a hold of us and the amount of money in our bank account or the amount of food in our in our home gets the best of us and we end up forgetting God. And this warning, as I said, appears numerous times in, in the Torah. And the idea of Chag Sukkot, according to this, is to try, God is trying to help us kick that habit, kick that natural tendency that we have to say, it's all from us. And all of this really applies mainly in the land of Israel. It's a good lesson for all, for all times and for all places. But the idea has to do with having your own land. Not each person, but the Jewish people as a nation, as a people, having their own land. God giving us a land and allowing us in that land to, um, to be self-sufficient and independent and, and even wealthy for the for the economy to grow
as we see in our time. I mean, we're living, we're living this dream, and hopefully we will take heed and, um, and not fall into that uh, trap as, unfortunately, our ancestors did and we do as well. Uh, this general notion of this is in the Rashbam, as I said. Also, the Rashbam is quoted in a fascinating book by Harav Yoel bin Nun. I don't know if it's out in English. I have a Hebrew edition of it. It's called Zachor Shamor. Teva Vehistoria Nivgashim, Nature and History Meet, Beshabbat Chagim on Shabbat and the calendar of all the different holidays. And he goes through each of the holidays, it is he is just a fascinating person, and he's mechadesh. He he brings amazing insights into the whole issue of a dual calendar, the lunar and the solar, and how the dual nature of everything that we do, as we mentioned now with the hagim, has to do also with the duality of the calendar. Um, the agricultural is dependent on the solar calendar, and we celebrate the history via the lunar calendar, and so forth. If you if you it's it's a read, meaning it's a study. It's not something. To, it's not a bedtime reading, but it is really fabulous if you're into it. Zachor v'Shamor by Rav Yoel Benun, and if it's out in English, somebody please let me know, and I'll uh, I'll post that as well. Um, and here's a song that's appropriate for everything we just said. Eretz Tova, Eti Levi. My name is Mayor Weingarten. You are tuned to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. זו הארץ נולדתי בה, עם הטוב, עם הרע שבא, עם תורה, שלום ואש, זה מה שיש, זה מה שיש. ארץ קודש, זבת חלב, והדבש, במענות של קרב, שהשקט בגועש, זה מה שיש.
It's a good land that God gave us. It's a good, good land. And we're going to end off this special Cholomoed edition of the Israel Show with a song that celebrates everything we have, and it uses a product of the ground to express it. That's, um, I think it was uh, two years ago, it was uh, the song of the year. Hanan ben Ari hachayim shalanu tutim. Our life is... Uh, in Hebrew, it works, is a, a strawberries. In English, you would say our life is like a bowl of cherries, meaning life is good, life is sweet, life is good. And uh, th- there's the theme for Sukkot, thanking God for the produce, thanking God for the land, thanking God for the bounty that we have, for everything that he's given us uh, in the land of Israel. Um, thank you so much for listening. Thanks for all your Facebook likes and comments. Thanks to the Nachum Siegel uh, network staff, and my very special thanks as always to Nachum Siegel. Well, coming up this week, we got the great Chol Hamoid Music Marathon, and uh, stay tuned for that. Have it in the background going all day, all the time. It'll, it'll just uplift you and keep you inspired. Until next Monday, immediately following Jamie and the Aim, this is Mayor Weingarten, wishing you a Moadim L'Simcha and reminding you that nice guys do not finish last. They are just running in a different race.